we send around UTXOs. At the moment, those UTXOs are Bitcoin. They could be Lightning channels. Now, there's a lot of complexity there, but I think that's where we're going to go, where you know, you'd be able to move around Lightning channels, and that's like swapping around your you know, checking account. Hello there, everybody. How are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I'm using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I'm chatting with Nicholas Gregory. He is the CEO of Commerce Block, the guys behind Mercury Wallet. Now, when I first heard about Mercury Wallet, Danny said, come on, we need to get this guy on. But the idea of passing private keys around, it sounded kind of crazy to me, something that kind of breaks everything you're taught as a Bitcoiner. But Danny was like, come on, man, we need to talk to this guy. We need to talk about state chains. Matt O'Dell loves this shit. We need to talk about it. So I was like, fine, Danny. I trust you, brother. Let's do this. So yes, we got Nicholas on the show, got him to give me the download on both Mercury Wallet and state chains. Now, if you've got any questions about this or anything else, you can reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. And if I sound a little flat today, my football team lost last night. It's our first defeat of the season. We haven't even had a draw. We've won every game up until now, but we lost 2-1 away to London Tigers last night. Sad times. Anyway, I will let you get on with the show. Afternoon, Nicholas. How are you? Good. How are you? I just said you prefer Nicholas or Nick, and I called you Nicholas. But I have a habit, actually, of doing that. I call Jeremy Jeremiah. I call Danny Wanker. Um, how are you? Good to I'm see good. you. Thanks. Thank you for coming to Bedford. Thank you. Enjoyed the trip. This is going to be an interesting conversation. Um, we're going to be covering some things along a line of things we've been doing recently. As you mentioned before we started, we interviewed Paul with regards to drive chains. We've had Seth uh, Privacy on. Uh, we also just had Maxim from Wasabi Wallet. Mm-hmm. Uh, privacy is out there. It's something people are discussing quite a bit. Uh, we had Obi on to discuss Fedimint, which I think might come up today. So yeah, I'm really interested to talk to you about state chains. It's not anything I know particularly much about. Mm-hmm. Uh, interested to learn. Um, but just before we get into that, um, can you just just tell the audience about yourself, who you are? Yep. Give us your Bitcoin story. So uh, I'm a technologist. I you know, used to write a lot of code for for, for life. Um, started in Silicon Valley, um, moved back to the UK. Then I ended up in New York working for the banks, but you know, writing software for banks. And around 2012, while I'm in New York, I just slowly got to start getting into Bitcoin. Uh, didn't get into it straight away, questioned it a lot, didn't really understand the 10-minute block times. But then eventually, uh, a guy I met in the gym <laughs> told me you could mine Bitcoin and make money. And that really tweaked me. And from that, the, the kind of journey started. And um, yeah, I've been, I think I went full-time around 2016, left New York around 2017, and uh, started you know, being full-time ever since. Did you like New York? I did. It's a bit... It's a great city. It's a bit like living in a nightclub. After a while, it was time to leave. I, I got to the stage where I couldn't really live in Manhattan anymore. It was, I had a kid. It was too noisy. And, you know, the choice of uh, New Jersey, Connecticut, or you know, Westchester or London, I think I preferred London. But Manhattan as a single guy, or in a, you know, great fun. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of New York. I never really got into the uh, underground fight scene there, but... <laughs> <laughs> come on man ha, ha, we, I cannot I cannot talk to you and not talk to you about this particular subject Danny told me about this you were in a natural fight club yeah it's uh, I, funny enough since I've left it beca- it's become bigger than when I was actually there when I was there it was just two or three guys playing with martial arts you know going to some interesting parts in New York and just just exchanging ideas it's when I left it's become big it's a, and I'm like a bit like the Satoshi Nakamoto of that fight club and that they probably remember me as a tougher guy or more revolutionary but it wasn't really much essentially I, I, I'm a martial art hobbyist you know 
had a few amateur fights in China, nothing, nothing special. And when I went to New York, there was a, a kind of an ad somewhere from a Muay Thai guy who wanted to meet up in Central Park and train with people who had done different things. And it kind of grew from there. Was it one of those ads where they leave little tear-offs? No, no, it was literally, this is the before, you know, this is in the early days of martial arts and the internet. And it literally was, I met a Muay Thai guy. We put a bigger ad and it was exchanging ideas. It's not, it wasn't like Fight Club. There was no bloody faces. It's... And it was just you're ruining it. it. Yeah, ruining you're it. ruining it, man. <laughs> but what was interesting, I mean, there's some videos. You can probably, if you search hard enough on YouTube, I mean, there's some interesting videos where I go dressed as an English gentleman with pinstripe suits in some of the roughest parts of uh, New York and meet other guys there. And we, you know, we spar. And it, it, that, that, that was what was fun about it. And, you know, the YouTube, you know, some of the guys on YouTube were, were quite famous in martial arts at some point in time. And that's yeah that's that's that was the cool bit you got to meet people from different backgrounds and it was it's become bigger since i left and i'm like in one of the founding members which is quite hilarious but was it like street sparring or were you going to gyms or yeah there was one street sparring session on the north side of central park uh there is a video on youtube about it if you want it if you looked but you know no, no one's trying to kill anyone it, it really is an exchange of ideas but yeah you, you the may... fight club with the film was an exchange of ideas yeah but, it, you know, there's that famous scene in Fight Club where I think uh, uh, Brad Pitt's battering someone. I, that, that never happened. Yeah, occasionally someone would get a cut eye or broken nose, but nothing. Was there any, anything beyond the martial arts with the exchange of other ideas? Were you all, like, aligning at the same time? Yeah, I, I, and you have to remember, um, MMA wasn't legal in New York. So MMA only became legal in, 2000, I think, 2016, maybe 2017. That's why when Conor McGregor fought for the first time in New York, it was quite a big deal. Yeah. So that's why these, it kind of happened. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't fight MMA in New York, and it was kind of controversial at the time. So that's why these kind of things popped up. You found it. How do I find this video? <laughs> um, if you type Wing Chun Brotherhood, and there's a picture of me in a... Well, of, I've heard of Wing Chun. Yeah. Is that the fast hands thing? Yeah, it's man movie stuff. Yeah, I've I've heard about it. I think somebody I used to work with did Wing Chun. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's bigger in the UK than it is in in the U, in the US. I think that's more to do with UK's relationship with Hong Kong. Right, it came out of Hong Kong, and obviously we have a close relationship because a lot of people from Hong Kong came to the UK and taught it. Are you still active? I, I'm not active in Wing Chun. I left that about five years ago. I'm still regular with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. <laughs> Uh, I just enjoy it. Uh, it's, it gives me an outlet outside of crypto, outside of you know, life. And I, I go there. I tend to go to jitsu three or four times a week at seven wow. a.m. And it just—it's it's different. It's, it's just fun. It keeps me in shape. I'm not into it going to the gym. I rather train. So it's—it uh, seems to be have grown massively this last few years. I think Rogan's helped with that. Joe Rogan's big into Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and he's quite—he's yeah. se quite senior in, in, yeah, in terms of what he's accomplished there as well. And a serious competitor. Yeah, and uh, funny enough, I was watching a jiu-jitsu vid about a year ago, uh, like a podcast for jiu-jitsu, like what you do for Bitcoin, and uh -huh. Michael Saylor popped up. Did he? <laughs> he was doing an interview at a well-known Brazilian jiu-jitsu podcast, you know, obviously uh, talking about Bitcoin. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can find that for you as well. That was quite. I think like, he's been on every podcast yeah. there is. Yeah, so that was quite interesting. I never expected to see him on a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu podcast, yeah. but he was there, you know, talking about Bitcoin, about, you know. Danny can't find it. I this can't is, find this it. is disappointing. I know. Oh. All right, man. Well, listen, we're here to talk, talk about state chains. Mm -hmm. uh, we should do this very similar to how my drive chain session with Paul was. Mm -hmm. um, you know, explain it like I'm a more well, I am a moron. Explain it to a moron. Uh, no, but explain it like I'm five. Help me under, understand. Well, let's go back a step. Mm -hmm. Um 
how did you get to that point where you started developing state chains and, you know the work like you made a decision to leave the banks and start building bitcoin mm -hmm. projects yeah so originally um i was building otc type software in new york with some of the guys i'd met at local meetups that grew into wanting to build bitcoin infrastructure um i spent well commerce block raised money and spent some time building bitcoin sidechains we we what we did is we forked the uh the Elements code base, which is well known for being the code base behind Blockstream Liquid, to build kind of side chains for like you know companies, uh, kind of a bit more proprietary, you know, a bit more KYC AML, and, and, and that really didn't take off. We had one client, um, yeah, we were in competition with the Tezoses of the world, the IBMs of the world, and it, it just didn't really go anywhere. So in the bear market, you know, we just made a decision to, to either fold or look to do something different. And it just so happened that the state chain paper came out, wasn't written by us. Uh, the way it was written, written by a guy called Ruben Samson, but he, he needed uh, changes to Bitcoin to happen. So it wasn't really seen as something realistic at the time. Uh, my co-founder, you know, he's quite well known in the cryptography space. He, he had some cryptographic tweaks to, uh, tweaks to make it work now. So we just thought, why not? Um, it, it, for, it was, you could say it was a bit of an ego uh, vanity project. Yeah, there's, there's only a few scaling solutions that people talk about in Bitcoin. You've got side chains, which you probably know well now, Lightning, which is obviously obviously the market leader. And we thought we just thought we'd take an opportunity to build another version to scale Bitcoin on the second layer and give it a go. Didn't know if it would work. You know, it was a lot of questions, and you know, we just gave it gave it a go. So, so did those changes to Bitcoin come, or did you find the workaround? They didn't come, and yeah, we found some workarounds. It does make the solution a bit more clunkier, which I can go through. But it does work. We've been live for six months. It's operational. We have, you know, we're very small in terms of users but we kind of wanted that as well because like lightning you know if you remember when lightning kind of went live it never really went live they kind of started announcing it saying be reckless yeah use it you may lose your money and you know we didn't want to say use it you may lose your money but we didn't want many users because you know you have ui bugs we weren't like the lightning network where it was a group of people we were one set of people and the last thing you want is people to use it and lose their money it's quite scary okay so take me take me to the absolute basics what is a state chain? How does it work? The best way to think about it, you're probably familiar with open dimes. Yes. Someone else, someone you know, Shinobi, termed the word, we are virtual open dimes. So we produce these kind of state coins, which you could basically put a Bitcoin in it or a part of a Bitcoin, and we allow people to transfer those. So what's happening under the covers, we, we allow the transfer of a UTXO, essentially a private key. So we break one of the memes of Bitcoin, not your keys, not your coins. With a state chain, you can send your private keys around. Now, there's a lot of crazy cryptography to make that happen, but essentially that's what we do. We allow Bitcoin to be wrapped in this kind of state coin, UTXO, and allow it to be transferred trustlessly. Well, not trustlessly, you have to trust us, but we're non-custodial. If we were to vanish or if we were to you know, misbehave, you can always pull your funds out. Okay, so let's go through it step by step. Uh, I used my first Open Dime recently. Mm -hmm. A few months back, I won a bet with American Hoddle. Uh, he put it onto an Open Dime for me because he didn't think I would be competent enough yep. to figure it out. I was. Fuck you, Hoddle. Um, <laughs> with the help from a Matt O'Dell video. Um, but in my, like, I, I understood it, right? It's essentially... It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of money. Yeah. Okay. It's a bit of money for me. And what I want to do, he gave it to me, handed it to me in person, and I was able to pop it, use the private key, sweep it, and put it, send it to a wallet. Mm -hmm. um, he could have just sent me the Bitcoin wallet to wallet, but essentially it's quite cool because there's, there's no link between the two of us. Mm -hmm. 
I, he essentially gives that to me. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. And I understand the process for how that works. I understand. Mm-hmm. If I'd have lost that open dime, that was quite a bit of Bitcoin that, that would have been lost. So mm-hmm. that, that to me is a risk factor in mm-hmm. that period between when he gave it to me and when I swept it. If uh, my luggage had been lost, mm-hmm. I would have lost it because I was traveling. But um, But at the same time, it was quite a neat thing. I'm not sure how often I would give somebody half a Bitcoin on a open dime, but $100, $1,000, I think that's kind of cool. But I get how that works. I get the physical journey. I need you to take me step by step on the physical journey. Say I want to give Danny... Half a Bitcoin? Half a Bitcoin mm-hmm. for a 0.1 Bitcoin. and uh, But I, I don't want to use an open dime. And the reason I don't want to use an open dime, he's in Australia. I'm in the UK. I don't want to send it from wallet to wallet. I guess that's the reason, right? Because you want to avoid wallet to wallet connections. Mm-hmm. Um, you basically stay off chain. Yeah. So the, the way it would work, you would come onto the wallet, you would create a stake coin. Essentially what's going on behind the covers, you're creating like a an address with two private keys. You have one of the private keys and we have one of them, we being Mercury. That creates a kind of special like address which allows you then to deposit like a Bitcoin into it or 0.5 Bitcoin. Now, the key thing is if you want to transfer it to Danny, Danny would go onto the wallet, create a stake coin address. And basically, there's a kind of like a cooperation between you and the state chain server to basically tweak your private key to generate a new private key for Danny. And then, you know, there's some like cryptographic techniques that stop us from being able to steal the money and basically delete the previous key that was, you know, referencing your key before it went to Danny. Right. There's a lot of, there's yeah, a lot of there's stuff. A lot. There's a lot of stuff. We're going to go the people call method. Yeah, sure. Okay. I go on to the wallet. Yeah. I want to send Danny half a Bitcoin. I click on create. Stakecoin. Stakecoin. Yeah. Okay. And that interface creates that stakecoin that has no value. Correct. It is just a deposit address. Yes. Okay. What is, and, and at that point, once it creates the deposit address, I can deposit my Bitcoin into that. Yes. In the background, there's two private keys. Yes. You have one? Yes. And I have one. Correct. What do those private keys do together or independently? Yeah, it's like a, it's not a multi-sig. It's called two-party ECDECDSA. That's a mouthful in itself. But essentially, with the two private keys, you're creating one public key, which that's what exists on the Bitcoin blockchain. Okay. So that's what which holds the Bitcoin. Okay. So then when you do a transfer, you tweak essentially the private key so that your private key is invalid and now the relationship hold on we're going to go back yeah what can i do with my private key to that address can i sweep it back yes at any point in time you can basically take it out and redeem it send it to an address you own you can then stay in the state coin uh, state chain world and send it to other users you can do swaps okay so that that and if i lose that private key that's that state chain will permanently hold that bitcoin yes what does your private key do? Nothing. All we can do is cooperate with you. The way the protocol works, the, the API works, is we can cooperate with you. It, it's, it's, cooperate how? What does that mean? So it's not trustless in that you need to work with us to send your money to Danny. You don't need to work with us to take your money out. So, okay, so I can sweep it back, but to get it to Danny, I need to work with you. How? How do I work with you? You basically sign a transaction, just like in Bitcoin, saying, I'm the owner of this state coin. You're the state chain server. I want to send it now to Danny. We then tweak the key. We then we we have a key share on our own side, which we 
provably delete. We use you know, hardware security modules kind of. Hold on, is this a physical job somebody's doing? Your no, 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 no. Oh, it's, so it's all automated. All automated. Okay, it's all so software. In my, okay, so in my head, I've clicked create state coin. Yes. I've sent my half a Bitcoin to it. What do I physically do to get it to Danny? What do I actually have to do? All you need is Danny's state coin address uh, from him, which he can send you. Oh, so we both have to create one. Yes. Okay. And so this is a method of transferring the Bitcoin from my stakecoin into his stakecoin. Yes. Huh. So they're like it's like a there's like a bridge. Correct, yeah. Do you consider them like wallets? Well, you have a stakecoin wallet, a state chain wallet, and in it inside it you have multiple stakecoins. Think of the stakecoins of like dollar bills or hundred dollar bills. You're essentially turning Bitcoin into bearer bills in okay. way to, like open dimes. And yeah, you need to cooperate with the server to transfer to another person. This show is brought to you by Wasabi, who I will be now using to make sure my Bitcoin is private and I'm very excited about using their software. With the release of Wasabi 2.0, Bitcoin privacy is now effortless as the wallet has introduced privacy by default. Now, rather than having to choose to coin join, this can all be done automatically. So you just need to receive your Bitcoin, wait for the coin join, and then you can spend freely. All the magic happens automatically in the background, which is a massive UX improvement. You also get additional privacy through Tor integration into Wasabi 2.0, so you don't leak your IP address, and there are no more minimum denominations, so you can coin join any amount, and there's no more change, so any amount you receive from a coin join is private. Privacy is something I've been taking more seriously recently, and with Wasabi 2.0, this has made it so much easier. So definitely go and check it out. If you want to find out more, please head over to wasabiwallet.io, which is W-A-S-A-B-I-W-A-L-L-E-T dot I-O. Next up, it's Gemini, who I am using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin, but I'm only ever buying. Come on, we're hodlers. We're not sellers. I'm also using the Gemini app for buying the dips, and I've been buying a lot of those recently. And I've also set up my DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin. Both the app and the website make buying and selling Bitcoin super easy. And Gemini has invested in building industry-leading security since day one. Gemini are now also running a special offer for listeners of what Bitcoin did. All you need to do is head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD and new customers will get $20 in Bitcoin when they trade $100 or more on Gemini. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD, which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com forward slash WBD. Next up is my new sponsors, the Texas Blockchain Council. Now, on November the 17th and 18th, the Texas Blockchain Council are putting on the Texas Blockchain Summit in Bitcoin country, Austin, Texas. Now, you know how much I love out there. I'm going to be attending. The event is two days of thought leadership for Bitcoin. Day one is all that any Texas Bitcoin miner could ask for. Top Bitcoin CEOs and their teams will be hanging out in Austin. And day two has top policy leaders from the US, both federal and state legislators, senators, House of Representatives, CFTC commissioners. What more could you ask for? Yes, I'm not just promoting this. I'll be attending the event in Austin, hanging out with my Texas Bitcoin buddies, and interviewing someone very important on stage. So make sure you book your ticket, come to the event, let's hang out. To find out more, head over to texasblockchainsummit.org and use the discount code PETERMC20 for a 20% discount at checkout and let them know that I sent you. This offer is valid until the end of October. Also, we have BCB Group. BCB Group provide online business banking services for companies in the Bitcoin industry. And yes, I am a customer of BCB too. They heard about my difficulty with finding a payment services provider that understands Bitcoin and reached out to me. 
Now, BCB's clients include major exchanges, market makers, funds, and miners active in the UK and Europe, but they are expanding globally. They have an amazing network called Blink, which facilitates instant free payments between BCB clients and all supported currencies. Now listen, I know some of you have had some trouble with this like me. And if you are looking for a banking provider who understands and supports Bitcoin companies rather than creating hurdles, then like me, you want to become a BCB customer. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter, which is bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter. Okay, so I can only transfer it to Danny when he's got one. So I'm like, Danny, go and create yourself a state coin. I've created one. I'm going to send it to you. Yes. Give him a call. Mm-hmm on an encrypted line <laughs> and when i and when he's ready mm-hmm. he just has an address for a state coin and they mm-hmm. can send it to him yeah he can he send it then back to me can we send it back and forth to that yeah i mean you, there's a limit on how many times you can send it because we're basically um this, this is a kind of the part of the trade-offs we had to do because you know to, to change the bitcoin but yeah you we, we set it to a three month time limit the reason for that is um there is a there is a that you know every layer two has certain risks there is a scenario where after three months, a previous owner could steal your funds. Uh, but you know, we, you could solve that by having watchtowers, but then you have issues like what happens if the watchtower is not available when someone tries to do that. So we've just set it to three months. So in that three month period, you know that you can send it, it can be sent, and there's there's no risk of any previous owner taking the funds. Okay. I mean, is it really one-time use? What happens after well, that three months? Uh, the wallet will automatically, if, if, you know, if you're the owner of the stakecoin, the wallet, I think within 10 days or seven days of that expiry, will automatically send a coin to an address you own, that address being owned by the private key you already created in the wallet. But you can send it within three-month period. There is a decrementing time lock where the time goes down, but you can send can it. Can we see it? Can we put it up and see it work? Is it possible? <clears throat> yeah. Um, we can see it. Uh, there's a lot. There's been a lot of demos on it. Yeah, let's have a look. Let's get one up, Danny. I want to see. Uh, actually, BTC Sessions did a, sh- a show on it once. Okay, so the point... So there's an interface for me to send to Danny, yep. which I put his state chain address in. Mm-hmm. And the point I put send, that's when your software does something. Yes. And your software tweaks it so I can my private key no longer works. Correct. And his private key does. Yes. So he's now the owner. Can I? I might be jumping ahead a little bit here, but I, don't, I really don't want to miss it. Is um, what? How can you provably delete something? You said you proved, provably delete your key. So we use a, an HSM on the back end. We built our own HSM based on Intel SGX. So one of the hardest things in in software is deleting something. I mean. You go on your computer, it's quite easy to delete, but how do you prove to the outside world that you delete? Also, you know, when you What's do... What's HSM, sorry? A hardware security module. Think okay. of it as a, an, an, a, a server-side version of a ledger or something like that. But one of the... You know, if you delete something on your computer, you don't necessarily delete it. You've deleted it, but it could still be in your cache. It could still be all over the place. Yeah. So we basically worked with HSMs, built our own, which is all open source, which provably deletes the key share. But even if we weren't to delete it, we can't steal your... It, that key is only only allows us to cooperate with an owner of a state coin. We, even the key alone, without it being deleted, can't steal the funds. So your key is different from mine. Yes. Mine allows me to withdraw. Yep. Yours just allows me to transfer. Mine just allows me to cooperate with you. you cooperate with what me. about in a scenario where Pete was sending me half a Bitcoin? Mm-hmm. He sends it to me, and you obviously allow that transaction, however that works on your sort mm-hmm. of private key side. Could you two then include to get the money back? Uh, if it was um, before that three-month period, we could, yes. If he, haven't, if he hasn't swept it? Yes. How do we do that? Because I thought at the point where it transfers to him, my key no longer works. Yeah, so if you were to transfer it to him, 
if the server was to misbehave and not delete that key share, and that three month period ha you know, has expired, then there is a scenario where we could, you know, the previous owner could cooperate. But the wallet as such would never allow that because of the, you know, we basically hard-coded that three-month period. And presumably, you, I mean, you have no incentive to do that. I get that. I'm just thinking... Also, of one, of the, yeah, one of the things I, I kind of said it at Bitcoin Miami, everyone thought it was weird, but if we were to cooperate, you would be able to prove that we misbehaved with Pete. Yeah. So we call it proof of scam, but, you know, you would know. <laughs> and, and, and I'm probably getting caught up on something that's not yeah. important, but on the pro provably delete side... Mm -hmm. And this might be way oversimplified, but could you, if it's a private key on your computer, could you not like take a picture with your phone and then provably delete it, but you still have a picture of the private key on your phone? That would assume that we've got a copy of the key. We use an HSM, so the key is never actually an HSM. is basically a, it's hard to explain it. It's a it's a security mod, it's a hardware security model where the key lives inside. Right. You so don't, you, you don't you, actually interact with the key. No, anyway. no, no. But is there any way if you wanted to? No. You can't. You can't go in there and have a look at, what, at that key. We can't. Have. I mean, look, there are stories of HSM being broken, and that, that's well known. But that's the way kind of custodial systems work. They, they have these HSMs, so you can't really take the key out. But there could be a side channel attack. There could be an attack on the HSM mm. where the key was stolen. And is everything you've done open source? Uh, yeah. 100%. All been reviewed? Yeah, I mean, we, we try and get community looking at it. But it's all open source, yeah. And the thing is, I could collude to steal my, try and steal my Bitcoin back, but why would I do that to you? Well, because you, you could... Oh, I mean, the the other thing is it could be a hacker, presumably. Um, huh, yeah. But, I mean, Mercury have no incentive, I guess, because their business is over at that point. Yeah, and, you know, you've got that three-month window, so there'd have to be a lot of things going wrong. It's not just one attack vector, there's quite a few. Yeah. It's interesting. I see this. I think I've used Mercury Wallet a long time. How long has Mercury Wallet been around? Uh, I think we only really went live in February. I mean, we've been mm. talked about a couple... Yeah. For a couple of years, maybe we don't need this. Okay, so that's the bit creating the wallet, connecting to swaps. Is that what you call it? Well, swaps is basically if you want to like you know uh, meet with a group of people and swap your coins. I mean, <laughs> can I call it what I think it is? Um, it's it's uh, like if I met, went down the pub with Danny and you and we all had 20 pound notes and we swapped them around. Yeah, and put them in a jar and shake it. I mean, it's blinded, so we, you don't know who you swapped with. You just know you swapped with someone of the same denomination. Okay. And, and that was really to get a first use case out of state chains. We didn't want to build... There's been quite a, a few white elephants in Bitcoin, you know, technology that's built, but no one found a use case. Hold on, so sw does swaps use the same technology? Yes. So the reason we built swaps, and it was just pure timing, at the time we decided to go with state chains... Um, Coin swaps have been around for a while. Uh, the idea was, I think, was done in 2013. It just so happens at the time when we built state, we decided to build state chains. Um, Chris Belker made some announcements about coin swaps, so we thought, yeah. well, we're taking these private keys off chain. Why don't we figure hold see, on, it, see a on. way of swapping them? And that's hold on, hold on, hold on. Is this it? Yeah. Okay. Can you go back a step? Right. So, so are we seeing it within the, within the swap? Yeah. Okay. But the, so a swap is. A group of people to blindly, blindly swap, yeah. It's yeah. like a coin join, but the thing is, it's not creating that kind of Uber coin join. I know, I want to talk about this stake coin thing there. So I wanted to create my open time just to send to Danny, or is it only possible to do it in this scenario? It's only possible to do it in this wallet. Okay, so I can't actually just go and create one and choose to send it to Danny. I can only go and join a group who are doing... Oh, no, 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 you can send it to Danny. That's, that's why you've got the send and receive buttons on, on, the, on the right side. So this is like the privacy tool part aspect of it, right? Well, every send is private because it's off-chain. 
there's mm-hmm. no history of the of, I mean the, the block we, we we do have a history of, of of transactions which is available in the blocks block explorer which any everyone can see that's public okay so come come back a second so I'm in this wallet as yeah. a normal Bitcoin user when I click think of send I think I'm just going to put in Danny's address and send him some Bitcoin yes and that's essentially what you're doing it is what I'm doing yeah so where am I creating the state coin okay so when you want to deposit so the, the deposit button button on the left that allows you to create the state coin the withdrawal button on the left allows you to take it back onto the Bitcoin main chain. So, so this only operates as stake coins. Correct. Yeah. So it's a bit like Fediment in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But, but am I right in saying they have there are only certain denominations in this? Um, we support only. You can create your own denomination, though. You could create a, a random one, but yeah, we we have preset denominations. Okay. So I'm just sorry. I'm just getting my head around this. Um, if I was a very basic user of Bitcoin mm-hmm. and I didn't know the difference between Mercury wallet and another wallet, and I just use this, do I use it in exactly the same way and I'm using state coins without even knowing? Yeah, I mean, there are some, some differences, but I mean, yeah. But I but, say but, that... But this is not a Bitcoin wallet, this is a state chain wallet. No, I understand, but like somebody might get confused. Like if I go in the, if I go in and click send and Danny, I was like, Danny, I'm going to send you some Bitcoin and he gives me his Betch32 address. Can I just put it in it will go to him? No, it wouldn't recognize it. It needs a specific state right. coin Right, so address. somebody needs to know. Okay, yeah. that's fine. So this is purely for state coins. Yeah, yeah. you're depositing a Bitcoin. You're, the deposit function creates a state coin address, so you choose your denomination, like a 0.1 or 1 Bitcoin, and then that address allows you to put the Bitcoin in. And every time I deposit, mm-hmm. does it create a new state coin and I have a list of them? Yes. So I am actually am creating bare instruments. Yeah. I've got UX ideas separately to this. Great. Yeah. We're all for but, it. But I think what, one, one of the complications is the language is exactly the same as a normal wallet. Maybe. Yeah. But you, you're doing something slightly different. Yes, we're doing something slightly different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've had to change it. Obviously, we, we're, we were, we've confused people. I think state coins, some people love it. Some people see it as a joke, a joke to CBDCs. <laughs> you got, you're from a marketing background, you tell us. <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, for me, it's just I would, I would have like create new state coin. As okay. a button, yeah, okay, and then you deposit in, in, into that. That, in in my mind, that's okay. what it would be. Okay, so you can. That's very cool, Danny. Can you just go to that next bit? So, anyone listening, it's worth checking out the video. Okay, so this is it. Stakecoin value because I put point zero mm-hmm. one in. That's a stakecoin address. That's the UTXO. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is very good UX. It like literally tells you. We did have someone else design it. If if it, if my team had designed it, it would have been a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Privacy <laughs> score swap set. So. Does this, it does a swap before it sends? This is, this is how many times you've swapped. So here, the swap set of 97 means that he's swapped 97 times. So you, what, so that, he's, co- that, you that, that coin? This, this, state, this state coin he has has been swapped 97 times. So when I do it, this, it so does he, the swap first before I send it to Danny? No, th- this is the swap function. So if you, ah. if you go to the click on the swap button, you're, you can see a bunch of guys wanting to swap. So this isn't, this isn't from click and deposit. This no. is, oh, yeah. I understand. Okay. So that would be the equivalent of, you all go, 97 of you go to the pub, put 20 pounds in, shake it up and take one out. Yeah, and put it back 97, 96 times. Yeah. Okay, very, very, it's kind of cool, man. Thank you. Uh, okay. What are the criticisms you've had? Um, some people don't like the fact we have this hardware security module because... Um, they think it's a risk. Um, we, we agree that there's risk with hardware security modules, and that's the reason why we put this three-month limit. So if we were to turn rogue and become bad guys, you still have that three month where nothing, nothing, nothing can be taken. So I guess over a period of time, if there was enough coins in stake coins... Mm-hmm. Oh, hold on, let me go back. If I send it to Danny, 
Has he got three months to then yeah, sweep I mean, it? We do decrement it by eight hours. So that, um, that three months goes down by eight hours every swap. And that's just the, the way the protocol works from a security point of view so that you know, we can still ensure that no previous owner you know, takes the funds. But I mean, some you know we we say we're non-custodial. Some people say, well, it's ish. But I think I think a, a good balance with some of the Bitcoiners I've spoken to, you know, Bitcoin devs, is proactively non-custodial in that we can't steal the funds. But there is an element if we were to be bad, you know, the HSM got you know corrupted, the three months expired. You know, we could work with a previous owner, but we. The, the state chain entity does not have the funds and can't actively steal the funds by itself. It seems like we're moving into the world of people wanting to use services that have a little more trust with it. Like Fedimint has a certain amount of trust well, with it. Every layer two is going to have um, you know, reductions in trust, compromises. That's why they're called layer twos. Uh, reductions in trust or increases in trust? Uh, I mean, no, every layer two is going to have weaknesses that are not as strong as the base layer. I mean, whether it's a side chain, you have to trust the, you know, the federation, whether it's lightning, where they all have weaknesses. It's just where you're comfortable. And so, and, and I think with the state chain, you, you do know them up front and there's a lot of trade-offs that have been built into the, the API so that you may not like the three month, um, ideally these coins would be live forever. Yeah. They would, uh, they would never expire. But then we would have to have watchtowers. And the problem is, if you take out the watchtowers, if you co-op them, I, I wouldn't trust that. At least with the three months, I can like play, do whatever I want and then only worry about it after the three months have expired. Would it not be better that it auto-sweeps? So like when Dan, Danny creates his, he has to put the sweep address in. So as soon as it's sent, it immediately sweeps to the new address. When you mean sweeps? I... So, so when I send in the, the state coin, I transfer ownership to him. Yeah he then has to sweep that into a Bitcoin address to take it out, right? Yeah, but I don't know if Danny doesn't want to send it to me. And But if his wallet just sits there and does nothing, the wallet will automatically sweep it to a Bitcoin address owned by his private key. Okay. And so it's acting like a watchtower. So it basically says, you know, if Danny leaves his wallet on and the three months expires, I think within the 10-day period or seven-day period, it will broadcast it back to the Bitcoin blockchain to a private key owned by that wallet. So it does kind of do that when you get in that danger period. On the regulatory side of things, mm -hmm. where are you considering the product you've created? Because some may argue that you're offering a sort of mixing service. Well, yeah, it's a complicated question. Um, we obviously, you speak to five lawyers, you get five different views. Yeah. We've just tried to copy what other people are doing. We're, you know, we're very similar to, we're an alternative to like a sidechain. The only real production version is liquid in that. You know, we're non we, we don't have custody. We don't charge for swaps. Uh, we only charge for people using the state chain entity. So you couldn't say that we're making money. And what does that mean? Sorry, what does that mean? You only charge for people using the state chain entity. Okay, so at the moment, and we, we are changing this, which I can go into. When you create a state coin address, that's free. When you smooth it around, that's free. But when you peg out, we take a fee. I see. Point zero point zero five percent. Right. But we don't, if you want to swap in the pub or do that, we don't take a fee. We can't take a fee because of the, the nature of the protocol. It's blinded. We, wouldn't, we don't know who's swapping with anyone. So we don't take a fee there. I mean, the current, there is no current regulation on this stuff. FinCEN kind of made a, uh, you know, they wrote a famous, a well-known report in 2019 saying that custodial mixers are, you know, bad and they're going to be shut down. Non-custodial privacy tools like things like Wasabi and Samurai are, are fine. That could change next week, though. <laughs> so, well, it, it, no, I, and I'm open to that. And you know, we we we've, 
we've got things in plans to protect ourselves, but you know, eventually they may stop everything. You you can't predict it. It feels like there's like a, a growing uh, lens on the ideas of. I know it's mad to say it, and these motherfuckers, but there is a, like this growing lens on anything where somebody's trying to give yourself privacy, which, by the way, is a human right. That uh, they don't want this. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean. It's confusing at the moment. I never thought they would uh, sanction a smart contract. Yeah, <laughs> I always thought they sanctioned humans, but um, it's like they've decided to. I think I guess we're talking about the tornado cash yeah. stuff. I mean, uh, the fact they've sanctioned a smart contract is an odd one, and probably going to create more problems and solutions. Well, they've arrested somebody for writing a smart contract. Right? I don't think that's related from the last I checked. Is it not, Danny? I would guess it is, even if they're saying it's to do with money laundering outside of it. Like I think he put a target on his back, and they found something to to get him for. Uh, but that might be me having a conspiracy. conspiracy for, for anyone who's not looked into Tornado Cash, can you explain what oh. happened? Uh, I can try. Um, it's basically a mixing service on Ethereum, um, smart contract that the anyone who's interacted with that is now blacklisted from using almost every application on Ethereum. Um, but really, it's a smart contract, so like, it, it, I don't know how... They can't stop it. But it's... If you've got a wallet or an address, that's what they're blocking. An address that's touched it. But, it's, but, but touched. it's got worse than that. So say, you know, in the firm, they have those kind of ENS names. So PeterMcCormack.eth, if you were to own that, I could go to Tornado, you know, do some mixing and send you... Didn't somebody do that? They've, done that? they've done that to a lot of celebrities, well-known people. Yeah. BrianArmstrong.eth got... Yeah. Done, so. So are, they all, are they all people who are now on a blacklist? Well, they will be. Like, they, <laughs> yeah. they, there's nothing they can do about it. And it's like, how many hops away from that you go until you're okay? Like, yeah. I don't know if anyone knows the answer to that. Like, if you do three hops, are you then far enough removed from Tornado Cash? It's, it's so stupid on so many levels. But I think the fact that he was arrested is no coincidence. Like, whether they're saying it's about something else, I, I don't think that that... What, what's been said... That it's right. money laundering. And I, I don't know... I, it's all, like... Look it up. Let's let's see what it is. Yeah, okay. Because we don't want you to get arrested, <laughs> Nick. We're building layer two solutions. I mean, look, we, we fit in the same layer of, like, a lightning, a liquid. We're, we're, we're an alternative to layer two. But, Whereas Tornado Cash is purely a mixing service. But they suggest, like, they were saying it's an odd one. it was... Um... All right. The Dutch Finance Crimes Agency last week arrested a 29-year-old developer in connection with a cryptocurrency mixer, Tornado Cash, that said he has suspected involvement in concealing criminal financial flows and facilitating money laundering. The DeFi Education Fund, a policy nonprofit that advocates for decentralized finance, published the response it said it received from the Fiscal Information and Investigation Service on Twitter. They keep going. Uh, Tornado Cash is an app that obscures Ethereum addresses, which has made it popular with traders who want to maintain their privacy. So how is that different? Isn't what? that just a layer two service? It wasn't a layer two. It was a base layer. It, it also was, it's kind of hard to explain because it's, it's, it's non-custodial in that no one controlled it, but it did have uh, one address in it, which had a considerable amount of funds. And there was like a, a DAO behind it as well. It's an odd one, but uh, you know, I think we're a layer two solution, like just like. But you have layer two solutions in a, in Ethereum now. You know the whole zk roll up stuff. People are going to use yeah, those yeah. things. It's tornado cash sanction shake crypto. The app's native token torn took its first big tumble. Okay, uh, since last week, a growing number of crypto advocacy groups have pushed back on the U.S. Treasury Department's decision to sanction tornado cash. The Electronic Frontier Foundation said there's clear First Amendment implications when government inhibits the publication of computer code on a public website. I mean, this reminds me a little bit of when you go to the backstory of what happened with 
a PGP, right? Uh, in what way? Well, what was the whole story with um, the guy you were... Uh, Phil Zimmerman. Phil Zimmerman. That's a little bit different because that was like the... They were saying that the cryptography that he had written was equivalent to exporting new, like missiles. And but, the point, no, but the defense is that this is code and coded speech. Yes. And, exactly. and that, like, one of the ways he got around that was by printing a book with, along with MIT and making it like part of the, the just free speech. Yeah. Is that First Amendment? Uh, first Amendment is yeah. free speech, yeah. But I mean, it, this seems like to me like a clear attack on privacy tools. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, but we've we've seen attack on privacy tools in Bitcoin before. The CEO of Dropbit was arrested for running a mixer. Mm -hmm. That was a custodial mixer, I guess. A custodial being, mixer. Yeah. The, but fundamentally, what is the difference between a custodial and non-custodial mixer? It's still doing the same job. One, one's a tool. One has control of the funds, and that's a big difference. Because when you have control of the funds, you need a money transfer license. So if I was to give you money via Danny and Danny was to hold it and, and be in a position to steal it, he needs a money transfer license to do Oh, no, that. I get all that. But in the eyes of the people who are, they're not pissed off that somebody's transferring money. They're pissed off that people are able to do, uh, create uh, privacy for people. That's what they want. They want access to everything. They want to know every transaction that everyone is doing, who you're sending it to, why, and what you're, you know, mm -hmm. they want complete view and control over everything we do. Let's just be honest about that. And the reason they might have some legislation they, they can use to punish people, but the issue of this is a war on privacy. And they don't like these tools because they offer privacy. So True, but I mean, not, not all privacy is nefarious. And no, no, I'm not disagreeing with you. What I'm saying is the, the decisions of the people doing this, the state-based agencies who are upset that people have privacy tools, it's not, they're not upset that people don't have a money transmission license because mm -hmm. anyway, they would just find them. Sure, but... You know, we always talk about when the institutions are coming. When I was still working at banks, one of the biggest criticisms about Bitcoin was its lack of privacy. Yeah, uh, banks need privacy. Uh, everyone needs privacy. Also, if I'm honest, if if you you know, MI6 were to call me to basically go help them go after the bad guys with software, I would want privacy tools like Tornado Cash to look at you know pattern analysis, timing analysis, to be able to go after the bad guys. By taking this thing out, they're they're kind of putting it all over the Ethereum blockchain, it's, it's going to be harder to, to come after people. It's going to make it much more messier. And I think the, this is a battle, I mean, my, one of my pet peeves is you know, the cold KYC AML. It doesn't solve any problems. Actually makes everything more dangerous. It makes it worse. I think we can all safely say it's very easy to get fake IDs on the dark web. You know, every week I hear about you know, some companies' you know, uh, personal data has been hacked. That mm. data ends up on the dark web. So basically people can go to like centralized exchanges with you know, stolen IDs and, and do nefarious things. This show is brought to you by the Pacific Bitcoin Conference hosted by Swan Bitcoin on November the 10th and 11th this year in sunny Los Angeles. Now I've known Corey, Yan and Brady for years and they've been pulling out all the stops to make the Pacific Bitcoin Conference a celebration of the Bitcoin community. I'm going to be emceeing the conference alongside my friends Natalie Brunel and Stefan Nevera. And there's going to be an incredible lineup of speakers, including Lynn Alden, Alex Glastine, and Preston Pish. Now, Pacific Bitcoin is going to be the right mix of education and good fun with unique experiences. They've got a surfing simulator and loaded with other events and parties before and after the event. They're bringing the brightest minds in Bitcoin to discuss a range of topics from macro to nation estate adoption, mining, and lightning. And you're not going to want to miss this inaugural Pacific Bitcoin conference. I know it's going to be a special event. Now, Swan are offering a huge 30% discount to listeners of the show. Just go to pacificbitcoin.com and use the code PETER at checkout. That is P A C 
I-F-I-C-B-I-T-C-O-I-N.com and use the code PETER. Next up, it is Ledger. Now, recent events have highlighted just how important self-custody is. And Ledger is the smartest and easiest way for you as a Bitcoiner to take control of your Bitcoin and the world's most popular hardware wallet just got better. Ledger have recently announced the launch of the new Nano S+. The larger screen makes it easier to manage and verify your Bitcoin transactions, and the Nano S Plus maintains the same high level of security as all other Ledger products. Now, I have been a Ledger customer since 2017, and I absolutely love the S Plus. Now, if you want to find out more, if you want to check this out, if you want to purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, then please head over to shop.ledger.com, which is S-H-O-P dot L-E-D-G-E-R dot com. Next up, it is Big Casino. So they are now running a very cool competition where you can join me at the North London Derby, Arsenal v Tottenham, hopefully to see Arsenal absolutely spank Tottenham. Now they have created a Bitcoin box at the Emirates Stadium and they're going to be giving away two tickets to the match. It's on October the 1st and to find out how to enter, just check out their pinned tweet at twitter.com forward slash bitcasinoio. That is twitter.com forward slash B-I-T-C-A-S-I-N-O-I-O. Also, please remember to gamble responsibly. Also, today we have Ledin. Now, from savings accounts to personal loans and even mortgages, Ledin's financial services enable Bitcoiners to experience the benefits of holding today without selling their Bitcoin. With the recent events in the lender market, Ledin demonstrated that their robust risk management strategy was the right approach. They don't actively trade or invest in DeFi yield generation and have experienced zero losses as a result of their strategy. Ledin only supports Bitcoin and USDC, two of the highest quality and most liquid assets in the industry. They are also dedicated to transparency and are the first digital asset lending company to complete a proof of reserves attestation, which they re-verify every six months. With multilingual support on standby 24-7, Ledin is there to support all your needs. And not only Ledin are a sponsor, I am also a customer of theirs now. I am using their services. So if you want to find out more, please head over to ledin.io, which is L-E-D. N dot io. Well, you can find out. There's that website, Danny, where you can like search up if you've been had mm. your data compromised. Yeah, have I been pwned? Yeah, yeah. look that up. Let's have a look at that. We'll put my details. So it, in. we're not solving the problem. We're not helping. You know, the bad guys. You no, know. but we we are uh, we are governed by incompetent idiots. Well, I'm hoping uh, the tornado cash thing becomes such a mess. Yeah, 28 data breaches. 28. So what have we got in here? Ledger, Adobe, Apollo. BTC, Pornhub, no, I'm <laughs> uh, Discuss, Drop Dropbox. Box. I mean, these are major services. Like House, like every, Mashable, Last.fm, MySpace. I mean, these are huge companies. Mm-hmm. Zynga, so it's happening with everyone. Yeah. Every, every major service can be under attack. Many have been under attack. Lots of my data is out there because of that, because we don't have privacy, which has introduced risk in life to me and my family, and my friends, mm-hmm. to the point where now I expect my data to be everywhere. I expect people else to find me and get access to me. I can't live like Jameson Lop. So what I'm saying to you is, is like, I'm with you. We should have privacy. Mm-hmm. Like, just, just shout out to the best tweet ever in response to the Tornado Cash thing. Thankfully, I've never used Tornado Cash to launder money. I use Deutsche Bank for a normal <laughs> person. That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> that is brilliant. That is the greatest tweet in the history of tweets. But I still think they're going to come after these services. And that's why I'm, I'm wondering what the next step is and the next step is. 
I, to be honest, I thought they were going to come after mining next. I thought they were going to force, you know, OFAC compliant blocks and stuff like that. And I thought that was the next attack vector. So I was, I was a bit surprised by the way and you know the veracity they came after Tornado Cash. But, but you know, there's big questions here, like what happens to Lightning? You know, I mean, Lightning could has a, has an element of privacy to it, I mean, as it should. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's just a, it's a war on privacy, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know how we win it. Well, I'm hoping that the tornado cash incident creates such a mess for exchanges, compliance departments, that they realize it's a mistake. I mean, at the moment, you know, everyone <laughs> uses Ethereum is in trouble. I mean, people are, uh, in the early days of Bitcoin, you used to have a, do you remember something called dust attacks? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Essentially, that's what's happening to the Ethereum space. People are taking tornado cash you know ethereum and spraying it across everybody didn't that happen with the ofac addresses though as well yeah yeah, yeah so this is just making a nightmare for compliance departments that you know your central exchanges it's, it's going to make the system unusable i mean i think there's no noise this week about Aave having issues and all the DeFi protocols having issues i'm hoping this creates such a mess that people are going to say look this is not working we're, we're not using the technology the way it should be and, i wonder if that gemini thing that went out yesterday relate is related to i this. would imagine so yeah I mean, it's like everybody is now being exposed to this who's, who's touched yeah. Ethereum. Um, but that's a good way of fighting it, I guess. Just make sure everyone's tainted. Just make it ridiculous. We yeah. all become dirty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all criminals. We're, we're, all, all, we're all pigs playing in the mud, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how similar are you to Fediment? I do know Obi, and we have actually spoke a lot. We're, we're different, very different. Um, Fediment is more like liquid in, in, the, in the back end in terms of having a federation. Obviously, they're a dynamic federation. You know, they can choose, you know, that the whole thing's supposed to be dynamic. We're fixed UTXOs. So one of the limitations of state coins, you can only send the state coin you have. So if you have a, a Bitcoin of 0.142, that's all you can send. You can't break it into little pieces. So, you know, we're, we're very different. I, I think we complement Lightning quite well. One of the issues of Lightning is the, the liquidity lockup you need in the Lightning network to send funds. We obviously don't have that. Mm. Our biggest issue is that we can't send micropayments or small denominations. So, you know, if you see us as a kind of, I think eventually state chains will fit somewhere in the Lightning ecosystem. You know, our, our next release, which is hopefully coming out in November, is to be, you know, very much integrated with Lightning. You know, you'll be able to pay uh, for Stakecoin with a, with a Lightning payment. You know, as I said, we send around UTXOs. At the moment, those UTXOs are Bitcoin. They could be Lightning channels. Now, there's a lot of complexity there. But I think that's where we're going to go, where you know, you'd be able to move around lightning channels. And that's like swapping around your you know, checking account. But um, but I think that's where it's going to fit in. And that's where it's going to get really interesting. If you were approached by a regulator and said, uh, to, continue, to continue the service, you need to uh, put in place KYC AML requirements. Mm -hmm. Does that end what you do? It's not. Um, what we try and do is make things more blinded. So we don't know people who use us we don't know people who swap i think that's the only thing you can do but you know already in the us you do have kyc lightning services i think strike is we'd have to see if there's a, a product fit for that if we're forced i mean i'm, I'm not leaving the uk <laughs> i'm not moving to uh, dubai or anything so but if we're forced to we have to see we'd have to see but i think if they were to come to us it would be the whole lightning ecosystem so uh, and the whole sidechain ecosystem as well so i think that's but you know stupider things have happened. I know that obviously these transactions don't touch the chain, so there's no footprint. Mm -hmm. But what, how much, so anyone looking from the outside in, they can't see anything. Mm -hmm. But how much can you see as the coordinator? 
We see at the moment we see the transactions and we but we publish them. So we have an explorer, explorer.mercury.com. Mm-hmm. And when we go fully blinded though, that we'll be seeing a lot less. Because we'll basically be using similar to the way Fedimints with blinded signatures, we'll be signing essentially anything. We we don't know what we're signing. But everything right. we have we broadcast. It's on our block it's on a block explorer. So someone couldn't be in your ear being like, keep this going, but just tell us what's going on. There's there's nothing that we don't have. It's all it's on it's the, all public. Yeah, it's all public. And that, that's the best way to be. Yeah. Then, so if, if, if a three-letter word agency from the US want to monitor us, they wouldn't be seeing. There's nothing that we have that's not on the Block Explorer. Well, I would imagine someone like Chain Analysis is already looking at you. They're probably not, but it's probably more to do with the fact that we're quite small. If, if we were to be, you know, if we had the volumes of Wasabi and Samurai, I'm sure we would be. Do you work with them at the moment at all? No, no. I mean, we do blacklist and all, um, and we have to blacklist because the things like Samurai and Wasabi yeah. if you participate in one of their coin joins and misbehave, like constantly fail to close it, you're a form of DDoS. You can basically stop them from ever doing a coin join. Right. So if if you were to permanently like do, join a swap group and then not allow the swap to complete, like switch off your wallet just as part of completion, that wrecks the swapping process. So of yeah. course we would blacklist that. But And the way when we're fully blinded, we wouldn't be able to blacklist an address. We just blacklist the kind of a form of token. Not you know, not an Ethereum token, but you know, when you create um, a stake coin, we, we we basically create a token to represent that stake coin, which is basically a hash. Nothing to do with the Bitcoin blockchain, just what we show to the outside world and what we see in the inside world. Can you punish that user? Yes, we have to because it's uh, you know because otherwise we'd be DDoSed, and that, yeah, yeah, DDoS is always a big problem on any public service. How, how much are they punished for the entire wallet or just the percentage of it? Well, we don't know there because yeah, you know, we don't know what they ha- how many ah. state coins we have. We only see the individuals. So that state coin, we you know, I think we blocked for two minutes. That's configurable. We could block it for longer. Huh. Interesting. I think it goes up incrementally. First, you're blocked for two minutes, then forward and yeah but that's like when you forget your password on your (laughs) your phone it's like eight days and and look one of the hardest things when we're live is um tour tour is uh and i'm sure you you said you had the wasabi guys here that they've had the same problems tour is quite unreliable and you are working over unreliable internet that blocks that jams that you know kind of a lot of the times we block people and it's not because they've done anything wrong it's just tour is having is potentially being ddosed itself how much are you growing how much interest is there can you, is there like any numbers you can give that are public? All our numbers are public. Okay, so, so what kind of usage are you seeing? Um, we've had, six, I think we've had about 17, 16 Bitcoin go through. Okay. Yeah we, we, yeah, we have a small community. I mean, I guess on Twitter, a lot of people talk about us to be, a, you know, to, to merge with Lightning. And, you know, I, I, a lot of like hardcore people like the technology. It's quite interesting. There's a lot of funky cryptography. And yeah, and as I said, we didn't really market in the early days because it was, the wallet was a lot more buggier. And then yeah. we weren't, it's very hard to build something like this and then go public so you don't know how people are going to use it. I mean, you have people, you know, even I guess our average user is, is quite strong technically, but they use wallets in different ways. Yeah. Well, what's quite, I mean, it's a good model. Yeah. And we're hoping for use cases. So, for example, we spoke to a Bitcoin Mammy, Chris Stewart, you know, the Shurevitz guy. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, he's tweeted about doing, using state coins for DLCs, discrete log contracts. It's more about getting the use case for different kind of, things you can now do because you're essentially t- turning bitcoin into like a dollar bill or ten dollar bill which is i i was a fan of open dimes i think they were one of the cool things open dimes are very cool so we've kind of made them virtual and uh, and you know i think there are use cases that probably we won't think about that others will what do you think the sort of future use case is like if you, so for example with ob and fediment like he's got quite a clear like it's a bold vision he thinks he's going to try and get a billion people onto bitcoin or onto <laughs> fediment um 
or using Fedimint. But like, what I get the privacy aspect of this, but like, what's the scaling aspect? Like, what do you think? How do you think people will be using it? In I, 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 I like to think we're going to be a way to onboard Lightning users, so people can come in, swap their Lightning channels. Basically, you know, one of the problems with Lightning is that you know the zero conf. Yeah, maybe people come by stake coin and that's your first lightning channel, I think. So you can swap lightning channels. We can't do that yet, but that's, I mean, most of the team is working on lightning as we speak. So kind of being part of the lightning ecosystem. I mean, when we first started building this, I, I'll be the first to admit, I thought lightning was going nowhere. It didn't look like it had much activity and it has built up in the last year to, 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 to something I got wrong. And I think, you know, we have an opportunity to, to, to be part of the lightning system, allow people to swap lightning channels, work with DLCs, you know, for people that have an empty Lightning channel, maybe they create an empty state coin, Lightning. It's a way of onboarding people more. And I think that's where it gets interesting. So it allows people to swap Lightning to swap Lightning channel without having to pay to open a Lightning channel. Yeah, stuff like that. I think that's where... That's cool. no, it's very go. cool. Yeah. And why would somebody use you over, say, Wasabi? What's the advantage you have? Um, well, privacy is not a, a button. So yeah. in some ways, we're better privacy. In some ways, we're worse. So when you use Wasabi, Samurai, or CoinJoin, you essentially, they generate a one large transaction. The, the issue with that is um, exchanges can look for CoinJoin transactions and say, you've done a CoinJoin, you're bad. We're not doing any form of CoinJoin. We're doing coin swaps. So that means the exchanges can't see anything. Now, the issue there is you may get a dirty coin because you're doing a swap. So you may come in with your perfect clean coin and you end up with a North Korea coin. Is there any way to look that up and see if it's... Well, what we've done on our Explorer is all the swaps are, are broadcasted. So if the, if the police ever came to you to visit you and say, why have you got a North Korea coin? You said, well, I used, you know, I did a coin swap on this day. And that's attested to the Bitcoin network. So we, we take a hash of all our swaps, put it in the Bitcoin network. So if you're ever caught with a dirty coin, you can say, well, I'm not dirty. I've done a coin swap. I mean, I got this twenty-pound note. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I'm not responsible for the history of it. So, and, and that's and so it's a different type of privacy. I mean, we, I mean, we really want this to be seen as a layer two solution. But like, you know, just like Liquid has confidential transactions, there is a privacy element here. Because hmm. I think you know, if it's just seen as privacy, I think that's kind of limited, and you know, don't really want to be reading OFAC lists all, my, all day long. No. I didn't expect you to go so deep into Mercury Wallet, so I'm quite happy. <laughs> no, it's very cool. I okay, mean, we're cool. Really, I'm really interested in this area at the moment, especially with those motherfuckers who are <laughs> going around attacking people who just want privacy in their life, which we absolutely deserve, mm -hmm. and not the risk that's been presented to our life by these onerous uh, regulations that have achieved close to close to nothing. Well, when I went to Bitcoin Miami, the first user that came up to me was a bodybuilder, big stocky guy, and he sells bodybuilding products. And he says, yeah, I use privacy products because I, you know, I buy my ingredients from the Chinese and they're always trying to screw me. If they knew how much Bitcoin they weren't, the price would go up 10 times. Right, okay. And I think people sometimes forget about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, look, uh, we, but we just deserve it. And I mean, it's yeah. a human right. It's the, the absolute, one of the foundational pillars of, yeah. as David Chalm said, is one of the foundational pillars of democracy is having privacy. If you don't have privacy, you don't have democracy. So um, I absolutely support what you're doing. I uh, hope you get a lot more interest out of it after coming on the show. I hope a lot of people go and check it out. I'm definitely going to be checking it out. It's very cool. Thanks. And uh, congratulations on it. Tell people where to go to find out more information. Yeah, mercurywallet.com. Um, yeah, please. We uh, on our Twitter account, we we have a demonstration video, and yeah, we we want feedback because, as again, my team is yeah, 
bunch of engineers may not <laughs> may not do the branding the best may not you know the ui may be designed for you engineers so we do like feedback and making it easier for people to use and and, and and even technical people have come to us and yeah they want it done differently so and that, that's a hard thing to get right okay awesome man well listen good luck with this stay in touch and uh, we're not far from each other we can have a beer in london at some point for sure sounds good all right man take care thanks Okay, thank you for listening to What Bitcoin Did. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Nicholas. Now, it's hard for those who are looking to provide privacy tools while the state seems to be targeting such technology. So I would say, please do support Mercury Wallet. Please do go and check out their software. Go and test it and support them any way you can. As ever, our community's privacy increases as more people use the technology and privacy is gearing up to be our generation's biggest battle. All right, any questions about this, anything else, you can drop me an email. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. I'm going to be back out to the States this Sunday, going out to record a bunch more shows. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to catching up with some Bitcoiners, eating some steak, avoiding some seed oils, and all that jazz. All right, love you all, and I will see you all on Friday.